I was just upstairs preparing this morning, and, um, and Pat came in and she said, Phil, I just need to tell you, I need to maybe put you on the page a little bit. This is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling. And I just started smiling, and she said, what are you smiling for? I said, because what you're saying is what I'm saying. So that's good, we're coming from the same place. But I believe this morning, I believe this wholeheartedly, that if we can take the truths of this word this morning, our lives will never be the same. And I don't say that lightly. It's easy to say every time I lay hold of the word, things will never be the same. But I'm telling you this morning, if we can get hold of this very concept, idea, principle, desired, sown in the spirit, concept of the resurrected spirit in you and I, things will break open. Thank you, the four people at the front row. If we grab hold of this, I am telling you, it will align something inside of us that will cause us never to be the same again. That didn't mean that as soon as I walk out of here, everything changed. Process and progress. But we're looking to lay hold of it. What is the word this year? That Christ will be revealed. The church will be reformed and the city transformed. It starts with the Christ being revealed. And it's revealed through that resurrected spirit in you and I this morning. I'm going to move quite quick because there's quite a lot of scriptures I need to cover. That's why we have the internet. That's why we have audio CDs. Whichever way you've got it, you can pause me, you can slow me down, do whatever you want. But the scriptures will all be there. So I'm going to move quite quick now. So we're going to start from John chapter 10. And verse 6 to 10, and this is from the message, it says this, A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. All right, well, thank you. I have come that you can have real and eternal life better than you ever dreamed of. Oh, how many of you have had that dream that one day I will be the one that's walking down the street, that the lottery finger is going to point out of heaven and say, this week, David, it can be you. I don't even have the lottery, but then you're always praying. May the mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, my sister, my friend, next door's dog, whoever it is who does the lottery, please take pity on me and say, this is your share. Somewhere down the line, life will be different for you, all because the big lottery finger went, it's your turn. Oh, you don't live in my world then. In my strange world, in the strange world of Arthur Brown, I want this life that God tells me I can have. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of living on the wrong side of what he says I can have. I'm sick and tired of living on the wrong side of all those things that he said are open to me if I walk into it. Am I on my own? I'm starting and there's something that's welling up inside of me, almost like that cry of Gideon that says, where is the God of our fathers? Where are the miracles that he used to perform? Where is all this stuff? Something is breaking out of this status quo that says everything's just the way that it is to say that it doesn't have to be the way that it is. Something is changing and it's breaking out. The same verse in the New American Standard Version says this, the thief only comes to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. You know these three stages, don't you, where Scripture's concerned? Survival, success, and abundance. If I was to draw a line across church this morning or give everybody a token, I'm not sure there would be that many tokens in the abundant bucket. We've settled for success. We've even settled at times for survival. I made it through this week. I got through by the skin of my teeth. But yet, it has to be more than that. You know, when we talk about abundant life, it's life without limits. It's life without containment. It's life without somebody saying, you can't do that. Because the very backing of heaven is saying, I want you to do that. Religion and the system will always keep us down when God wants us to push on and draw into the life that he has for us. 
No more do we have to live as strangers, as paupers, and distance in a land, but we can lay hold of him who laid hold of us. Don't live on survival. Don't live on success. You live in a house, you have a married couple, you had a kid, you stayed healthy this year, you bought a new car and went on holiday. Is that success? Do you know what? When people say, oh, this is how God's blessing my life. You know the person who lives next door to you without God is doing exactly the same? There are times when your situation turns around so much that the very fact that you kept your marriage, God had to be involved. Yes, we understand that. But just the fact of finding a partner in life, buying a house or doing something didn't mean that God was on your side. You were just doing life. I have come so that you can have life abundantly, real life and eternal life. You know, because God's concerned about both. God's concerned about all aspects, the eternal life and the reality of life as well. See, life is found in two dimensions. Now, I touched on it this morning. I said I'd maybe say something later because I wanted to keep my powder dry. But last week, little M brought the word and she brought the word, didn't she, about uh, digging a new well. And instantly I was reminded of a scripture, and the scripture was from Numbers 21, 16, says this, For there they continued to bear, and there there was a well where the Lord said to Moses, Assemble the people that I may give them water. So God says, Assemble round this well, and I will give the water. Yes? Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing to it the well which the leaders sank, which the nobles of the people dug with their scepter and their staffs. God has given us permission to change our very resource in this place. Well, I see I'm not talking to you this morning. God says, get to the place. I give you the authority this morning. I will place the well. I will provide the water from it. But you must dig for it. If you want this life, if you're looking to break through, it's not just going to come handed on a plate. It is because all the work is done by him, but I must pursue him. I must lay hold of him. I must chase him. Pastor Tony used a scripture a few weeks ago when he was talking about Elijah and Elisha. Do you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? And it said that the prophets came out and said, today your master's going to be taken from you. Today your master's going. And all this, the prophets, they came from the school of the prophets because they heard the word that said Elijah was going to be taken out. But Elisha pursued. How often is it that people want to be reporters and say this is what God is going to do, but it was only Elisha who pursued Elijah to get that, that which is on you, may it be on me. He didn't ask for the anointing. He asked for a, diff, a, a double portion of his spirit. You can stand all day and be at a distance. You can look or you can be the one that says, my God, you've given us authority in this house. I will pursue you. I have been given a staff. The staff and the scepter are both signs of authority to say, my God, you've given me authority to dig in this place. And I will dig down until I find that water. It's funny, isn't it? At this uh, moment in time, I don't really do the movies that much. But I've seen the new Russell Crowe kind of advert that's on at the minute. The water divider, it's called, isn't it? And he's in a hole so deep. And at the bottom of it, he's digging until he hits and strikes water. Are you going to get your bucket and spade out? Is it going to be like a day at the seaside? I've made three little sandcastles and that's it. I've not found any water. I'm going to give in. Or am I going to dig and dig and dig? Am I going to sing? Am I going to cause my spirit to rise out until I hit gold? It's the life we carry. God says it's in here. If we've not found it, keep digging. Keep digging until he says yes. Amen. I am a very strong believer in this. I will do what I will do, and God will do what he will. But if all the time I'm waiting for God to do everything, God, you sing to your own well. God, you dig your well. You do everything. I'll just stay here in my lilo, just waiting for everything to be all right in the morning. Let's just tell you something. Nothing changes. Nothing changes at all. But when I get the word from him who says, do this, 
guess what I should do? Do this. And if I do it, and I hit the, the water, and the abundant stream starts to flow, then don't take credit for it. Because all I'm doing is being obedient to what God told me to do. Amen? Every week when we come together, we need to come together in that strength. Emma had said, and she was very eloquent last week when she, she said it, she said it a lot more succinct and polite than I would normally say it. That's my authentic group again. know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's the point of this. If I don't maintain my walk, my life, my worship, my prayer through the week, when I come on a Sunday, why do I expect to be able to draw down from heaven? I can't live Sunday to Sunday. I have to carry him wherever I go. I said to Pastor Tony just last week that if there was one thing that grabbed me this year as pressing into God and already finding his heart was this. If there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. The kingdom will not draw near to you, meaning that I carry the kingdom to an individual, when I don't find myself in his presence. If I can't read, if I can't pray, if I can't be around him, I think the truth is this. You know that Jesus, the word, and the word are the same thing? I'll tell you a paradox. It was, was a puzzle to me when I wrote it, but I kind of thought it makes sense. Okay, so stick with me. The way I treat the word is the way that I will treat the word. And if I don't treat the word correctly, the word will not do to me what it should do. That makes sense? I'm glad it made sense to you because it made no sense to me. But the way I treat the word is the way I will treat the word. And then the word will treat me the way that I treat the word. Yes? But this is also the process that comes through. God is sat on his throne. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Heaven is waiting for earth to respond. The delay is not on his side. The shortage is not on his side. I'm sure you've heard this comment before. There is no recession in the kingdom. Everything that's needed is already laid up. Everything we need. God made provision before he made you and I. So the healing is found. The breakthrough is found. Resurrection is found. Everything we need for the body to move into, that the spirit and the bride can say come, has already been made and set aside for you and I to access. It's not one day in the great blue yonder, everything's going to be fine. It's today. In Genesis 7 and verse 11, it says this. In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep broke forth. And then the windows of heaven opened. When earth gives what it has, heaven responds. When you and I will lay hold of God and press into him, he cannot help but open the heavens and pour himself out. What is it that the, uh, the scripture says in Isaiah? Oh, that the heavens would rain down. Lord God, that you would rent the heavens and come down. The scripture says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? When I respond to him, he cannot help but respond to me. Heaven is looking for that response from you and I, even if it's only in seed form. You know, a lot of the time we're waiting to think, when I'm good enough, when I'm clean enough, when I know enough, when I'm righteous enough, when I've been in the church long enough, when Pastor Tony said hello enough, when I've had enough of other enoughs, then it'll be all right. I'm fit for something. God says, I take it at that seed form that's in you and I. John 12, 24 declares this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It will bear much fruit. There's something, especially speaking of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that died so that much and abundance could be born. We know that Jesus Christ is the pattern son. Yes? He's the firstborn amongst many brothers. But he's the pattern son, and we use this term in our last authentic. 
I've only done a little bit, and I'm sure I'll be doing more in the days to come, my little rooster. But do you know when you do your baking? Yeah, I don't really, I'm not allowed near the kitchen. But I can do messy stuff. So, you know when you roll out that dough, and you're going to make gingerbread men, yes? So we're going to make gingerbread men. And we've got all the icing, and we've got the hundreds and thousands, and we've got the glaciated cherries, and everything's all there, all ready to make a mess. And you roll out the stuff, you have your cutter don't you, in the shape of a, of a gingerbread man, a star, a boat, whatever you want, but for me it's going to be a gingerbread man, okay? You get it, and you press it into the dough, and then you remove the excess, yes? And what's left is the shape of a gingerbread man, correct? That's the process of scourging, where God says, everything that doesn't fit the pattern of Jesus in your life, I am going to remove, for whose benefit? For my benefit. Remember we said before, with the same spirit I believe, yes, when I'm coming to faith, for whose benefit? For my benefit. So the process is that Jesus Christ is the pattern son. He demonstrated how to live a life before man and before God. This life that he lived, he says, I'm showing you so that you can follow in exactly the same footsteps. Phil, are you saying that I'm Jesus Christ? No, I'm not. I said that he set a pattern. We know that we're moving from one degree of glory to the next, aren't we? He opened the way for you and I to follow in those footsteps. In Romans 8 and verse 29, he declares this, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would, make, uh, he would be the firstborn amongst many brothers. He conformed them to be the image of his son. Again, that's that biscuit cutter that cuts in, that says, everything that's not like Christ, I want to remove. So even in these moments, when we're together, we're in the intimacy of worship, we corporately come together, God starts stripping things out. Even that word, I think Pat said two things this morning which were very strong. She said a lot of things that were strong, but let me pick up on two points. Number one is that we can very often become complacent with what the blood has done for us and the access it has made into the throne of heaven for us. Secondly, when she got up and she said, I believe that there was somebody with something. You know, these times when we know who the someone is and what the something is, it says, respond to this. Because in this moment, God wants to make you whole. There is an old saying. I've not got Bible and verse for it because it's not. But do you remember the old saying that says, when your ship comes in, do not be found at the airport. That's a gospel according to Phil. When your ship comes in, be in the right place, doing the right thing. So when God turns around and says, today is the day when you're a Lazarus who can come out from your situation, the past is cut off, it's your time to respond and swing from the chandeliers. Don't miss your moment. Don't say I'll pick up on it next week. God, you and I will have a chat about it sometime in the future. Respond when he responds to you, amen? You know, Jesus carried a life that was so powerful, no one could touch that life. No one could infringe on the purposes and plans of God. Do you know how many times you read through the Gospels and they came to take him by force? And it was, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. And they came to lay hands on him and he walked through. On numerous occasions you see it. But in John 10 verse 17 he declares this, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. And I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back again. No one was in a position to take anything from Jesus Christ. He laid it down in obedience to his father. Jesus Christ, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. One of us come, must become like man so that man can become like one of us. When man falls in the garden, when authority had been given to man and he loses it in the garden through sin, the father says, we need to make this right. And Jesus says, I'll go. 
He steps in. He is the lamb who's slain before the foundation of the world. But you know, that life that he carried, that resurrection life, is the same life that is in you and I. That's when you tell your face. You tell your face because the truth is we don't believe it. Or if I do believe it, it's like this morning, I have not come to faith in believing it. Because your life and my life and the lives of many people around us will be different if I come to faith and that Christ starts to move his way through you and I. Do you know that? We are called to have an abundant life. I've come that you may have life in the natural and in the eternal. There are the two dimensions. But I'll show you in a while where that abundant life actually kicks in. Amen? But let's just build this platform just for a second where Jesus Christ is concerned. You know, today is an amazing day. You know, today is Resurrection Sunday day. Yeah? Yeah? Today's the day when the devil got the biggest slap in his face. Everything that he was dreading came about the day when the scales were revealed from his eyes and revealed, we have made the biggest mistake in the world by crucifying this guy, by killing him, because through that death, it brought life to others. Amen? So I will show you a platform and some stepping stones of how that because he came to life, you and I come to life. Is that all right? So we'll unfold something. And if you behave yourself, it will all depend how giddy I get and whether I hold some stuff back. But there's more in the tank, so we'll see how we go, okay? So let's start with this. Through the life of Jesus Christ, he destroyed all the works of the evil one. Oh. Do you remember the three areas? Survival, success, abundance. We'll go back to our last statement. Through his living, he destroyed all the works of the evil one. If that life is in you and I, that will then be represented what the very statement I've just made. He destroyed the works of the evil one. In 1 John 3 verse 8, he says this, The one who practices sin is the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the evil one. Acts 10 38 declares this, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Christ was revealed to push back what the enemy was establishing in the lives of people. The enemy, we said right at the beginning when we read the scripture, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and life abundantly. And it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the, of the enemy, and bringing life. That's you and me. That is what we're called to do every day, to carry that very resurrection life. So I'm not going to ask, till we all put our hands up and say, who's been carrying resurrection life this week? Right, I'll take it for the silence, I don't need to say any more. But just listen to that context just for one moment. Everything that was concerned itself with sin, everything that concerned itself with sickness, Jesus put an end to. He put an end to rebellion. He dealt with the storms. He dealt with death and Lazarus calling him out of the tomb. Everything that the enemy tried to throw at him, it was Teflon Jesus. He literally just carried in that whatever the enemy thought he was strong enough to do, Jesus just carried on, carried on. That life is your life and my life. Have we experienced it yet? No. Will we experience it? Yes. Because if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, of seeing no fruit on the tree, if I'm going to allow that pattern sun to be built in my life, if Christ is going to be revealed in me, 
then I must start doing what he did. Do you know the biggest journey that you will ever make is not Pastor Tony 27 hours on his flight getting to Australia. The biggest journey you ever make is from there to there. And already this morning, as we're sowing the word and starting to release things in faith, we hit those walls. Because automatically, I've got every reason why he's not speaking to me. Every reason why it's great, because that's, that sounds very, that really suit Veronica. That is bang on, Veronica. Because if she was in the precinct with a baby, she'll talk to anybody, and she'll do anything, and she's dead brave, and she's quite, oh, there's every reason why it's everybody else and not you. But the reason Christ was revealed was to destroy the works. That turn around and say, wherever death pushes in and darkness pushes in, the light is coming. Have you ever been in some places that are really, really dark? I don't mean under your cupboard. You can go to some places around the world that when it goes dark, it's dark. You know, you kind of go, I can't even see where my feet are. Yeah? But you can go to the pound shop and you can buy yourself the naffest, cheapest little torch for a pound made in Taiwan with a 30-second battery that you turn it on, the light comes on, and it's gone instantly. But even that little bit, when I touch it, the darkness has to vanish wherever the light goes. Do you know what we have in our cupboard at the back there? Because we used it a few years ago in one of our Christmas productions. A million candle light. We've got a torch which is the equivalent of a million candles. That is brilliant. That is like, we're having a moment. We're having a, it's a boy toy. Sorry, guys. It's a boy toy. You can have a play around with it. But his word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my, fat, unto my path. So when the word comes to me, even this morning, that says that Christ is being formed, and for this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the works, which meant he confronted anything that the enemy was pushing in and trying to contain... I can start to shine the light on it. And it can be me with my one pound cheap rubbish seed form faith that isn't even matured. It's not been cleaned up. God's still working. We're cutting the bits off that are not like the Christ. If I take God at his word and start to move towards it, he will move towards. The word this morning was the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in and will bring life to my mortal body. I don't have to wait to die to make these things a reality. I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be the cleanest. I don't have to be the tallest. Thank you. I don't have to be the thinnest. You said that, not me. We don't have to have every box ticked. I need to be in a position that takes him at his word and start moving towards it. You know, back in the day, in the 80s, when I was only about 12 or 13, in the 80s, there's those of us around who remember Andy Sherman, EJ Sherman, David Sherman, three firebrands that turned everything upside down. But I remember in my formative years, Sherman making a statement, because you know that Sherman's got that, he wanted to fight the world, didn't he? Every day, he was fighting the world in a good way. But he turned around, he said, can you live the kind of life that when you open your eyes in the morning, the devil goes, he's awake. Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard of. That if we will start to apply resurrection life, all of a sudden the enemy goes, Chris is awake. Why? Because my walk makes a difference. My prayer makes a difference. My faith makes a difference. Wherever I go, I'm carrying light. I'm carrying life. I carry the ministry of reconciliation wherever I go. I've come with a mandate to set prisoners free. 
In a completely different context, I watched a documentary this week. Do you know it was 30 years ago, I think it was, that was Strange Ways Riot? Did anybody see any of the documentary? David saw the documentary. He was in there. E-wing. <laughs> this was the issue. You put this story and then you can make it biblical very, very easily. That the conditions in a prison had become so bad that the men started to cry out to be heard. They cried out. They sent letters. They had all kinds of things to go on. And all of these letters were ignored, were burnt by the prison authorities, were shredded so that the people in authority never knew how bad things were. So the people got to a place when it was so bad, the only thing we can take now is action. That action can never be condoned. It was never right. But there was a place where the people cried out because their situation was so bad that something had to change. The scripture tells us that when the people were in Israel and were in Egypt, they cried out because of their situation and God sent them a deliverer. We thank God for Moses. Look in the mirror, you've just been conscripted. You are Moses. You're the hope to bring freedom to captives. You are the one who is to call in, set my people free. Oh, it suddenly went quiet then. See, there's an element called responsibility. That it's easy sitting in church and kind of being fed up of saying every now and then we can share that. Oh, thank you, Sarah. She shared a testimony this morning. Or Billy had a Veruca and he's not got one anymore. Great stuff. But we're looking to see the Christ revealed in everyone's life so that situations change, which will reform the church, which will have an impact outside of this building. You know, we're changed here for what we take out. We use the statement in our authentic group about being competent ministers. I said, it's amazing how I want to minister to you when you want to minister to me. Wouldn't it be amazing that we took our ministry outside of the door? That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? That's quite radical. Let's say that we carried something out. But what do I carry out? I carry out the resurrection spirit and power which is living in me. Jesus had a job. Push back. When the enemy's pushing, pushing back. When we say enough is enough. And we go after him. tumbleweed across the room through his death on the cross Jesus Christ destroyed the power of the evil one the works sickness rebellion intimidation keeping people captive that's the work but what is the power of the evil one the power of the evil one is the fear of death So many people, Kevin and I, we had a moment a couple of years ago when we had a God-ordained moment. God gave us a, a, a piece of inspiration from heaven about a will-writing piece of software, which is brilliant. And it's even got a brilliant name, Your Will Be Done. .co.uk, tap on, it's only £19.99. <laughs> but this is the process, that we had this will-writing piece of software but you know people won't write a will. And why won't people write a will? Because I have to think about death. I do everything to keep it away from me. Never face it, never ignore it, stick my head in the sand, be like an ostrich, keep it away from me. And you know the thing is, when I keep it away, I compromise everything. You see, there's death in our relationships, death in our marriages, death of our health, death of situations around us. All of it, we compromise to keep life in it, even though it might just need, get it buried, get it dealt with. Do you remember what we said last year? And I, to me, I thought Revelation was brilliant on this. And that was when you've got a skeleton in a, co- in a cupboard. Do you remember a skeleton in a cupboard? It's an upright coffin. Bury it. Yes. 
Bury it or burn it. Get those things out of the way. But the enemy comes to keep us with the fear of death. But Jesus Christ turns around and says, we said it right at the beginning, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Let me show you something. We said this is Resurrection Sunday, didn't we not? Shall we, shall we take a journey? Are you up for a journey? We've said that the fear of death is man's biggest. It's the worst thing you face in your cupboard. In those dark places, what happened if I die? What if I didn't make it? How many of us are claiming the blood? We're not Catholics, but we've got a rosary bead. We're doing everything we can do, even before we get on a plane. We get in the car and we go, we're throwing buckets of blood on the car. Lord God, just claim your blood on everything that I've got. Because just in case, there's a nutcase on the plane. I've decided that certain areas in my life, I need to be like Kev. There's not many, but there's certain areas that I need to be like Kev. A few years ago, Kev and I went to Malaysia. And we were coming back from Malaysia. And you know, for those of us who've done it, you know the naughty dog when you're on the plane and you can't sleep and your head's too heavy, all that stuff. Our plane got um, diverted from Singapore to Indonesia to pick a bunch of people up. You kind of think, you know, somebody hitchhiking in Indonesia. And I'm sure they, they said we're heading towards Manchester, but it said, no, we're going to Indonesia first. We got on the plane and we're already tired. We've, had, we've been traveling for a bit and it's been all day. It's now four o'clock in the morning. You've been up all day, floppy about. We're on the plane. This woman stands. She's got the full letterbox kit on. You know, she's covered from top to bottom. And she starts screaming. And she's rabbiting in Indonesian. And she's just stood up and kind of like, ah! She starts screaming like Billy in the middle of the plane. The stewardess is actually stood next to us. She grabs my arm and goes, I'm really scared. I'm thinking, if you're scared... <laughs> If you're scared, you're not bringing me that much joy and hope here at the moment. You know, in all this stuff, all through your head goes, suicide bomber, we're having a moment. Oh, Lord, <laughs> tapping online, yourwillbedone.co.uk. <laughs> There's all that moment of suddenly, it's amazing, the thought of death instantly goes, from nothing to because of all the circumstances that globally were happening, you kind of went, is this your moment? And it's amazing how quick life passes before your eyes. Now, this is where I meet Kevin and where I go, I need to be like Kev. Because I don't know if you've noticed, most of us know that Kevin has a sleeping disorder. But Kevin was our Jesus in the boat. And what the Jesus in the boat was, there's a woman screaming... Kevin snoring at the side of you. <laughs> Opens one eye. A security marched this woman down the plane. The staff have got her. And she's screaming as he drag her down the plane. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm now hyperventilating into a sick bag. <laughs> giving it one of those jobs. And he looks up and When's dinner? Oh, it's... <laughs> It'll be round in a bit. But it just kind of shows you, kind of just put an edge on that one a little bit, that even when you think you've got your boxes ticked, when you think it's coming to you, how differently you respond. I wasn't in perfect peace of thinking, into your hands, O oh Lord, I commend my spirit. I've just been with JD for a week, so everything must be clean. I've got nothing left to repent of. It's all gone. It wasn't, you just instantly, that fear of, this could be you. This could be your moment. This could be your time. Now, I was on a plane when everything's out of your hands. It's out of your control. There's nothing I can do about that. But what about when the word comes from the doctor? Or in your marriage and somebody goes, do you know what, Chris? We can't go on anymore. Not that I'm saying to you, Chris, looking into your eyes, that you and I can no longer go anymore. You know, there's the death of something and everything starts to strip away. 
the fear that lays hold of you. Jesus said, I came to deal with that. Not only to push back the works, but to push back the fear that the enemy brings. So we said we're going to take a journey. So is this okay? Now we said before, didn't we, that Jesus Christ's life, no one could take it. But he says, I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it back again. Time's already gone, so I'll just give you this. We see Jesus Christ, his, his life is laid down, he dies on the cross. Yes? So he's on the cross and he says at that moment, into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. They take his body and his body is placed where? In the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. So he's placed in the tomb, but where is his spirit? His spirit then descends. His spirit descends into Shoal, the grave. It goes through into the first level called paradise. When he's in paradise, he meets the Old Testament saints. He meets the life of Abraham. He meets the likes of Joshua. He meets Isaiah. He meets all of those who are faithful and hearts are turned toward God. He's revealed to them as Jesus Christ because they all knew and spoke of him but didn't see the fulfillment of the Christ. The Christ brings himself into that very arena. Some of them saw Jesus as the angel of light in the Old Testament. Another story for another day. But he goes through there. He then passes through paradise into Hades. Why do we say that Hades is below paradise? Simple. Because the rich man looked up to where Lazarus was and said there was a gap between the two that no one could cross. But the spirit of Jesus Christ passes through, passes through the bottomless pit, goes past Tartarus, the prison or the holding place of fallen angelic angels, to the very place where he takes the keys of death and of Hades from the enemy and brings it back, that spirit life, that spirit is returned back. And he takes with him the captives captive. Yes? Are with us? Are we still on the page? So he returns to the place where that resurrected spirit life now brings life back into his mortal body, which makes that mortal body immortal. It is the resurrected seed that makes all of the difference. Lazarus was raised from the dead and died again. The spirit of Jesus Christ takes the keys of death and of Hades, brings it back to his body, and then we have the moment. We have the moment where Mary comes to prepare Jesus' body for the the big preparation of the funeral. He's already in the grave because it's last minute. Lastminute.com is in there, but we're going to prepare him. The stone has already been rolled away. She sees what she thinks is the gardener. And she says to him, where have they taken my Lord? And what was his response? Mary. And instantly her response was, Rabboni, teacher. Now here's one point. We'll just stick a pause button there just for a second before we carry on. Do you know the voice of God that if he just turned around and said, Mary, David, One word, and I instantly know that even though I don't see, I know who the source is. If there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. The way I treat the word is the way I treat the word, and the way the word will treat me. In that, and she goes to lay hold of him. Mary, do not lay hold of me, because I have not yet been presented before my father. Jesus has to go and present himself in heaven for one reason. He goes to cleanse the mercy seat. For where did sin begin? Didn't start in the Garden of Eden. It started in heaven. Sin started in heaven when Satan rebelled and turned against God. So Jesus comes back and says, we clean that which was unclean. And now, 
We come to make this life to you. Now, I'm going to condense and paraphrase everything that I should be saying because I've always got... I'll do a Tony. I can do a Pastor Tony. I've always got next week. So we'll pull some things together. But this is where we can start to think of where the abundant life actually starts to take place. Jesus says, I come that they may have life and life abundantly. Were the disciples living an abundant life? No. Jesus also says, these things will you do and greater. What are any of the disciples doing that is greater than Jesus has already done? Walked on water, calmed the storms, dealt with the elements, water into wine, healed every sickness and disease, cast out demons. What is he left to do? Raise the dead. Now, when you see through the Gospels how much the disciples did similar, the abundant life will also take you into these things will you do and greater. So I'll give you a scripture. Just give you this as a kind of platform. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it says, it's also written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Adam, living soul, mind, will, and emotions. Jesus Christ is the one who caused my spirit to become alive. He is a life-giving spirit. So this is where the abundant life starts to pour out. In John 20, verse 22, Jesus has now returned. He's told Mary to tell the brethren that he's back. He meets them. And when he meets them, this is the response. Then he's, uh, and when he had said this, because he tells them who he is again, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? It's so important because of John chapter 1, verses 33 and 34. This is a speaking of John the Baptist. He says this, I did not recognize him, but him who sent me to baptize in water said to me, On who you see the Spirit descend and remain... Upon him, he is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have only seen him and testified that he is the Son of God. If I am going to be shaped like the gingerbread man, the Holy Spirit must come and remain. All the way before Christ, before the death and resurrection, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost would fall and leave, would fall and leave. It came on a man or a woman for a specific task or assignment. Jesus now says, receive my Holy Spirit. Now they've also got the promise of do not leave Jerusalem until you get that full manifestation. But what did they receive? It's at this point that they received their salvation. All gone quiet. There is no salvation till the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They can believe that he is the Messiah, but there is no salvation until the price has been paid. The price was paid from him. And that same spirit is the spirit that comes onto you and I at salvation. I give you the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance. So the same spirit that raises Jesus Christ from the dead is now living in me. But now we get to the abundant life. For what's the abundant life? Everything that you could do in the natural was fine. But now I bring you and give you access to the spirit. The abundant life. These things will you do and greater. Do you know there's something that we can do that Jesus Christ never did? I'll go and quiet, just before you stone me on the car park. I know it's Easter Sunday. 
We just pray right now that the Holy Ghost will just fill you. We bring the deposit of the Holy Ghost. That which we carry, we can deposit in the life of another. The greatest gift that we can bring is that spirit of resurrection into the life of another individual. We have the salvation message that brings light, it brings clarity, and it sets prisoners free. We then have the ability to lay hands on someone, and through that gift of faith and our connection because of the coming aside, we can pray, my God, we just pray that he will be just filled with the Holy Ghost. There is the manifestation of the Spirit. Where did you see Jesus lay hands on somebody to receive the Holy Ghost? There you go, you're unique. In everything that we've got, we see this resurrection spirit. Pat used the scripture this morning. It was something I was going to get to later. And that was all about that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also bring life to your mortal bodies. Through his life, it destroys the work. Through his death, it destroys the power. Through his resurrection, it destroys the presence So that means we have authority to push the enemy back. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. We've been backing up and backing up till there's nowhere left to go. But when we understand what Jesus did, what he accomplished through his life, death and resurrection, being accepted from the Father, we're cut in the same shape. You know the thing, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We can start to act like he did. Thank you for your underwhelming response. It's only been an hour. We start to, see this is the difference what I talked about this morning. Belief to faith. You can believe everything I say this morning, but act on none of it. But I'm going to give you a key this morning, which will be a springboard into everything else. Because I'll stop. I know you all want to get home and eat your Easter eggs. I saw some of you this morning were like chocolate moustaches. You had already started. And that's this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 declares... Oh, you miserable bunch. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. There is a line in the sand that didn't say, when you're old... When you're grey, when you go to heaven, when Peter's let you in because you bribed him at the gate because you're a bit of a scuffer, it wasn't any of that of one day in the great by and by, I am a new creation the moment I lay hold of Jesus Christ and that finished work of Calvary's tree. That finished victorious work, for they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen? For now has come the kingdom. Now has come the authority. Now has come salvation of his Christ. Now has come. And it's the moment that we don't have to keep thinking, one day will be the day. It's today. It's today. I'm a carrier of life. I'm a carrier of hope. But because I am that new creation, the scripture says this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You deserve a damn good hiding. Like I do. That is the wages you've got. You know, you don't give your wages because you deserve it. Yeah? It's kind of, I've earned my wages. What I've earned, that's what I'm given. I don't have to go to my boss and say, excuse me, boss. I don't have a boss. But excuse me, boss. Um, can I, I've, been, I've been in all week. Uh, I've been very good. And I, I washed the dishes before I left. I don't have to go cap in hand for something which is my right. I deserve by right to be separated from God, but he gave me a gift. And he gave me this abundant life. Our group. We know what we're talking about. All of you, tough. There's nothing for you. But we'll tell you this. This is the platform for where we'll pick up. God doesn't leave us orphans. He doesn't leave us unprepared. He lays a deposit. We've already seen about the deposit of the Holy Ghost. Yes? In 1 Peter 1, verse 23, declares this. Having been born again, not of corruptible, 
but the uncorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides in us forever. We are born again because of an incorruptible, indestructible seed. That seed is that seed of resurrection. It's that seed that says, I pushed him back. I dealt with fear. I create the pattern. The Christ life can start to be built in you. That when God sees you, he doesn't see Jenny. He sees Jesus Christ because it's the seed forming it. And that seed allows the process to lead me to progress. So that Christ can be revealed. But it all starts because of that resurrection life. That seed is in there. That so many times you get life right and then you get life wrong. But something inside still seems to go, I'm pushing towards the light. That is the incorruptible seed. It's the indestructible. It's the Jesus Christ on the inside of you trying to get out. All of the time it's pushing back and pushing. It's resurrection life. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. But that life abundant is in seed form. It's for you and I to water the seed. Oh, how can I water the seed? Why don't we dig a new well? For out of you will flow streams of living water. And why? What happens then? I become the reflection of the sun, bringing many sons to glory. That he overcame, so we overcame. And then we're able to stand and make that declaration, oh grave, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? It's no longer words. Why? Because that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living and active in me, bringing life to my mortal body, not just my spiritual man, so that you and I can hear be and do. We are carriers of abundant life. The only thing is, no one told us, and we always thought it was for somebody else. But now we know. Today, it's for us. Does God have favorites? But he does show favor. So he treats us not as our sins deserve, but he treats us, when he looks at us, he sees the finished work of Jesus Christ. He looks the other other way when Phil's a scuffer. And when I repent and come towards him, he moves towards me. Instantly returned. But the greatest gift that he has given us is that incorruptible seed and that resurrected spirit that leads us into life. Let's stand to our feet. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've declared this morning. We thank you for going ahead of us. Lord, I thank you for the word that you brought to Pat, Lord God, which was exactly down this line, Father, about that resurrected spirit. Lord God, I pray this morning that Holy Ghost, you will arrest us and show us the power of that seed. That, Lord God, Father, when you said that we can have life and life more abundantly, Lord God, it's not a pipe dream, it's not a hope, it's not a wish, it's not something like a carrot on a stick, but, my God, Father, I pray this morning that, Lord God, you will bring us into life. Lord God, cause that life to be formed so that as we step out of the doors, Christ will be seen. Lord God, I desire is Christ will be revealed. That, Lord God, even though we're, we are flawed vessels, even though, Lord God, Father, we mess up, we don't always get it right, Lord God, our hearts are moved towards you this morning. Father, I pray again today that, Lord, you will just again, just assure us, just affirm us in your own heart, Lord God, by the Spirit. Lord God, we want to hear hear you say our name. We want to feel your breath on our face. But, Lord God, we make that decision that we will dig and you will. We will push into you. And that, Lord God, through our lives... We will destroy the work of the evil one. Through our life, we will break the fear and the stranglehold. And through our life, we will destroy the presence, Lord God. Father, for may your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May Christ be revealed. May the church be reformed. May the city be transformed. And the people of God said, Amen. Bless God. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, bless you.